Welcome to the Ministry Runway Podcast, where we are all about helping people who are preparing for ministry. My name is Dr. Ron Castens, and I'm your host for these important conversations. I'm a 30-year veteran of local church ministry, and now I'm on the faculty at Milligan University, where I'm privileged to help men and women prepare for ministry. Today, we're going to be talking about what I call the connection stage. We're going to talk about how a candidate and a church find each other and make an initial connection. How does that even happen? If you're a ministry student, undergraduate or graduate, or you know a ministry student, or perhaps you're excited about helping more students enter full-time ministry, then you are in the right place. Buckle your seatbelt and place your tray table in an upright and locked position. Another great episode of the Ministry Runway Podcast is ready for takeoff. Welcome to the Ministry Runway Podcast. This is Ron Castens, and I'm very excited to have uh, my friend April Alford on the podcast with us today. April is the Executive Minister at the Ten Mile Christian Church in Idaho, and uh, we are very excited that she's taken the time to be with us today. So, April, uh, thank you for joining us, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Ron. Thanks for inviting me, um, and thank you for getting saying my name right. I get a lot of pronunciations of Alford, and um, and you you just nailed it today. So, thank you. <laughs> well, there you go. It, it was you know research and thorough study over months and months and months. Otherwise, I was really lucky. So, uh, <laughs> April Alford, it is. So yes, that's that's great. You. So we're so glad you're here. Uh, let's begin by telling us just a little bit about your journey and how you ended up there at Ten Mile. Sure. Yeah. It's uh, it's been quite the journey. I'm living the most north and west I've ever lived in my entire life, but I've been here about 15 years now. We're just right outside Boise, and if you've never had an opportunity to come out west, um, you need to do it. It is beautiful. Um, but my roots are in the southeast. There, I grew up in Alabama. And every single day out here, I get asked where I'm from because um, my accent's just a part of who I am now. But uh, I grew up there in Alabama. I went to Auburn University. Uh, And one of the reasons I chose that school uh, is uh, because it had a really strong campus ministry. And I know that may sound Mm. weird to some people, but um, I knew what I wanted to study was uh, family and child development. at that point thought I want to do something with counseling, but I did want to continue my Christian walk at that point mm-hmm. in my life. And, and, uh, we just had a fantastic campus ministry there. Um, and so that's where I kind of got going. And after that, uh, I had a decision to make after college and I really wanted to pursue what God, uh, was calling me to do, but I wasn't quite sure what that was yet. And so everybody there was talking about Emmanuel Christian seminary, um, which was a manual school of religion back then. Sure. And uh, so I decided to give that a go and ended up in Northeast Tennessee and fell in love with just the whole, you know, studying and and the path I got on there. I wasn't there six months when someone called the school and said, hey, do you have someone who you'd recommend for a children's pastor mm-hmm. at our church? And I, I was at a spot where um, a little town where I grew up, the, the pastor did everything. So I had to even ask, what's a children's pastor? What do they do? <laughs> um, but anyway, I, I did. I, I started working this little church along the river, uh, Central Holston, and loved it. Just thought this is it for me. And it really was. And so I focused. I worked a lot with Eleanor Daniel back then when she was on staff. And 
uh, pursued that. And I stayed in children's ministry then for about 15 years. I, I was there mm. in the Northeast Tennessee for 10 years, had my first child there, was married, all that good stuff, a lot of fond memories. And then we moved down to Georgia, where I continued to be a children's minister for another, oh, five or six years. But when it was time to leave that church, um, my husband and I prayed and said, hey, we're willing to go wherever God wants us to. And we were right with family and the whole deal. It was great. Sure. We, you know, Sunday dinners, the whole thing. But uh, we really were open. And so we just started praying and uh, we we interviewed with a lot of churches there in the southeast and a lot of them were wonderful. But one day I got this call from a pastor out in Idaho. And I think this will play. And the reason I'm taking a little time with this is it will play into how people need to make connections when they're sure. looking for jobs. Yes. Um, I put the word out to uh, people I knew at seminary. And I've been out of seminary, you know, about 10 years at that point. But I sent it back and I was friends with uh, Tom Jones at the time. And so I just say, hey, here's my resume, Tom. And Tom sent it out to all the uh, board uh, there at Emmanuel. And uh, one of those board members is the pastor here at 10 Mile and uh, or was the pastor. He just retired. And he called me out of the blue and was like, hey, I, we were praying and looking for a children's minister. And here's your resume that comes up. Tell me about yourself. And we just hit it off. Mm. And we spent a lot of time on the phone talking and we we just clicked, you know, and before I knew it, they were inviting me to come out and spend a week out here. And we came and spent a week, my whole family. Mm-hmm. And the reason they did that, again, I'm sharing this, is the reason they did sure. that was because it was going to be a big move. And they knew mm-hmm. we were moving away from family. And they needed to know my whole family would want to move out here, not just me dragging them out here. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. And yeah. Um, because we were all bought in at that point. And so when we came out, we spent a week and uh, it was wonderful. And so we went home. But I remember that first phone call. I'll go back to that. When I, I went home that day and I told my husband, I said, guess who, where I got a call from today? And he goes, where? <laughs> and I said, Idaho. And he goes, Idaho. And we both got the map out. Sure, <laughs> we're sure. like, where yep. is Idaho? You know, yep. it was I've new. had it was that this, experience. Right. Yep. Is in this northeast out. corner or northwest corner somewhere, you know. And uh, but anyway, so that was that was it. And so I was here. I've been here now for almost 16 years. And I started out as the the children's minister and about uh, five or six, I guess it was about uh, six years into my journey here, uh, things were changing and they were moving around in the leadership and they invited me to step into this executive role. And at first I started out with kind of overseeing family ministries and like adult ministries and it kind of kept growing until uh, now I, I just sit in the chair as the executive uh, minister and oversee most everything. So it's, it's been a journey, but one I've enjoyed, I've had to stretch and grow in, but uh, now I've been doing this for about six or seven years now, I guess. Sure. Sure. Well, that's, that's great. So I, here's a question that I'm just going to throw out to you. It just struck me. What is it about children's ministers? Cause I know a few children's ministers who, who started in children's ministry and then ended up in an executive kind of ministry role. Any yeah. idea why that might be? What What are the transferable skills that that mm-hmm. show up maybe in children's ministry and then later get expressed even further in executive ministry work? Yeah, I uh, did not know that myself when I moved into this position. But one of the first executive uh, XP conferences I went to, um, I met a couple of others, and and then all the other people around the table are shaking their head like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense." and 
And I thought about it and I'm like, okay, I, I can, I see that. Children's ministry is a unique bird. I don't know every church, you know, does it differently, but it's a key position in the church. You, mm-hmm. you know, if, a, if you're a planning a church, especially, or if you're uh, trying to, sorry about that, trying to grow a church, um, you are, you need young families. And so your, your children's is the person is always dealing with not just kids, but their parents. Um, they're dealing with teachers. So they've already got three levels of, of whatever they're trying to organize. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to be really good at recruiting mm-hmm. and getting people on board and seeing the vision and helping them feel that their ministry is a part of the whole ministry of the church. It's not just some something that's set aside, you know, so there's a lot of vision casting for children's ministry. There's a lot of organization in, in children's ministry. Sure. And, um, and dealing with uh, discipleship with different age groups, trying to figure out how do I take this, this baby from, from here to here? And how do I take this preteen from here to here sure. in their walk with the Lord? And so I think there's, there are a lot of things, but it's a lot of organization and, and dealing with uh, different age groups and, and, uh, man, scheduling is huge. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's something I've had to deal with so much in my XP role. I think I, I'm okay with that. Sure. But uh, maybe that's some of it is just all yeah. the administration that has to happen behind the scenes for children's ministry to come to come across effectively. Yep. I, I think that that makes sense to me too. And uh, I just appreciate, you know, so much your work and what you bring to the church there, but also I know how important 10 Mile is and has been in the lives of uh, other churches and certainly young staff people, young ministers, and um, and also to the kingdom. So thanks for, for that. And uh, we want to dive in and look a little bit uh, in this conversation about the whole connection phase when, mm. you know, a student is in their final year of school and they're starting to think about what's next. Uh, and they're wondering, how do I connect with these churches that are, that are looking? So just curious in the seat that you sit in now, uh, where where do you look for candidates when Ten Mile has an open position? Where are the places that you look, uh, and how can I, if I'm a, a student, how can I ensure that you know about me? Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, the first place um, I start is with our Bible colleges. Um, I'll I'll call up uh, Boise Bible College, of course, right here um, mm-hmm. next to us, and I'll say, Hey, do you have any star students over there? Anybody that's standing out? To you, that's where I'll start. Or any recent graduates, um, Emmanuel, of course, will reach out to uh, Milligan. Um, I know they're a little further away, and those are a little bit more difficult sometimes because people aren't always willing. But you never know. Um, sure, like us, we made the move. So we start with our schools, and um, we know that they've got the education we're looking for. That we a trusted education. Um, after that, we have. Uh, We'll post things um, at uh, on, uh, gosh, what's the one? Churchstaffing.com. We've used okay. that one sometimes. And uh, when we've really had to dig in, we'll do a slingshot. Okay. Now, I will say for us, slingshot's a last resort. Um, okay. It's expensive, one. Um, and and for, for listeners that may not be aware, what what is slingshot? Yeah, so slingshot is kind of a... A clearinghouse, so to speak. It's like it's free if you're the student or if you're the person looking for a job. You can post your with them, and but you got them working for you now. And the people who pay for it then are the churches, which is fine. So we set up a contract with them to say, "Hey, we're looking for a youth pastor." That's the one we most recently did, and um, and so they start sending us, and they'll ask us, they'll meet with us, they'll come up and meet and ask us what we're looking for, and they'll try to get a really good picture 
of, of the kind of person we're looking for. And then they start going out and finding those kind of like a headhunter, I guess, in some ways, mm -hmm. but they're, they're trying to pull from their uh, people who've, who've applied to them wanting to find a job. Sure. And so then they are, they kind of do the initial interviewing for us. And then when they feel like they've, they've passed a certain criteria, they send them on to us and then we start our process. Okay. So that's what that is. But that's usually when we have exhausted all of our other possibilities, then we go with something like a slingshot. Sure. Sure. Okay. And you, you mentioned certainly connecting and working with schools and Christian mm -hmm. colleges and uh, universities and Bible colleges, et cetera, at seminaries. Uh, you also, in your story, you mentioned Tom Jones and the role he played. And uh, mm. do you ever leverage other executive ministers that you know, other staff people around the country to say, hey, who do you know? Tell me who's on your radar screen. I do. Um, yeah, I try to do that quite a bit. People I went to seminary with that I'm still good friends with, they're out at other churches. I'll call them up. Some of them, especially if they've got good internship programs like a mountain, mm -hmm. um, places like that, I'll say, hey, have you got anybody that uh, is looking or anyone that's, uh, you know, looking like they're standing out and you they need a place? Uh, yeah, I, I do that a lot. Uh, that's one of my, my one of my strategies as well is just to talk to people I know and ask them who they know. Yeah. Yeah. So the networking piece, I think, is is crucial, mm. what I hear you say. And so if, if I'm a, a student, I think what I'm hearing you say is, hey, Ron, make sure you leverage uh, as many networking opportunities as you can going through school, four years of Bible college or, or Christian university, leverage the networks that you have, establish as many connections and friendships, relationships as you can, because those are just going to serve you well when you start looking for a job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. It is, uh, there is still that big piece of it's, you know, who, you know, yep. and so, yep. and then, and you having a good reputation with them and people talking about you is, is going to be huge. Sure. Sure. So let's say I'm applying to a position at 10 mile and I email or send you my resume. Do you typically send an acknowledgement that you received mm -hmm. it or is that still a thing or, or not? Yes, we do. Um, we feel it's a polite thing to do. I know I won't, I can't speak for every organization, but sure. for us, um, yes, we will say we've received your application. Um, it's typically a standard, right? Email reply, but yep. it'll yep. let you know we got it and that we're processing it. And if we need to speak to you further, we'll, you'll, you'll hear from us kind of the idea. Yep. So it's not a promise of a contact, but at least that we received it. Sure. Sure. And, and so if I'm, if you're kind of advising me, and again, I'm a student in this process, and I send a resume out to someone and I don't hear back, is it okay for me to reach out to them a week later and say, hey, just following up? Or is that being pushy? Or no. just to find out if they received it? No, you should call. I get it. Yeah, give them that week or whatever you think is appropriate. But yeah, people lose things too. They don't always get to the box they need to or, and if, especially if you haven't received a reply. And just say, hey, and um, just wondering if you received my my resume and I'm interested. Totally fine. We, we would yeah. love that. Okay. Okay. So you get a, re a resume uh, and you look at it. What are the things, April, that would lift that resume to the top of the pile? Or perhaps what are some things that might drop it to the bottom of the mm. lip? I'll tell you what a drop it for me to the bottom is misspelled words and uh, sloppiness. Uh, that just, to me, um, I just will toss it. I mean, you might have, I don't even know what the rest of your application looks like or your resume, because I'm probably not going to look at it. To me, it, so it does matter. I'm not saying it has to be the prettiest with a photo and 
fancy whatever. Um, I, I really don't care about that, but um, it really makes a difference that you've put the time into it and that you've um, that you've put the appropriate things on there. And I'll say that I don't need to know every job you've ever had, especially if they're coming right out of school and, you know, you've had 10 part-time jobs, you know, put, put <laughs> the things on there that are, but like it, places it may not apply here, but if it shows, Hey, I've got longevity somewhere. Um, I've, I've spent a lot of time now. I would take that and move it to the top of my pile longevity sure. somewhere. Um, experience. Um, I do want to see experience. Education's huge for us. I won't deny that, but at the same time, uh, experience can, can do a whole lot as well. Now it won't knock you out to not have experience. I'm just saying we weigh those things. Right. Um, but what would jump out at me? Let me, let me think about experience is probably a big one in the field that we're looking for would move it up. Um, so, so let me, let me jump in and ask a question on the experience level. Let's say I'm in my last year of undergrad and I obviously don't have any full-time ministry experience. Maybe I've done an internship or two, uh, would it be helpful if I shared, Hey, I was a middle school, small group leader, my freshman year of college at a church in the area, or I volunteered in kids ministry or on the worship team at my church is volunteer experience helpful at that stage of my, my say ministerial career, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm not talking. Yeah. It does not have to be just paid stuff. Okay. Um, absolutely. And we get when you're coming out of college, but we want to see you try to explore this while you're at college, right? That you've been stepping into the right places to volunteer. And and you're probably, te- my guess is when I was that age, I was testing out, right? Do I want to do youth? Do I want to do children or where, what am I good at? Um, but it just shows that you're there and you're willing to work. So we totally would love to see that. That's, that's good stuff. Um, the good, other good. the other piece is is your references. Um, I'll I'll take a quick glance at those references and and I again it's a kind of a networking thing. It's not that it'll turn me off necessarily, but I'm if I see somebody on there that I know, that might move them up on the pile just because I I have somebody I can call and talk to about that person that I already sure. know. Okay. Yeah, but sloppy good. sloppy ones will be the ones that um that go to the bottom of the pile. So yep. check your spelling and and be neat. Yep. Yep. And <laughs> It, it never hurts to have another set of eyes read over it. Oh, yeah. Let somebody else take Yeah, you look at it 10 times and you miss something. I do the same thing. I'm it's that always way all good. the time. Oh, me yep. too. So just let somebody else take a look at it. That, that's so good. And such a simple thing, but makes such a big difference when you're seeing a resume for the first time. Right. For sure. So April, tell us a little bit about your hiring process at 10 Mile. Is it pretty consistent? Some common pieces to it? What, what does it look like? Yeah. Um, we, we start out with an application and a resume, of course, and, uh, just like anybody. And even if you come, no matter how you come to us, even if I hear about you from a friend, my first thing to you is going to, Hey, send us the resume and the, the application. Um, and then depending on the department, um, head, we'll sit down and take a look at it. Um, I'm usually involved in all upper level hires for sure. So if you're going to be a minister in a ministerial role or a leadership role, and uh, then we give you a call and we'll set up a time just for a phone interview. And that may, that first time is probably just with a department head and they're just okay. vetting you out. Um, then after that, if they feel like, okay, yeah, this person needs to move to the next stage, things went well in that conversation, then um, I'm probably brought in for the second one. And these are all still either phone or Zoom. Um, okay. Zoom for the most part, if that's available, 
um, that's probably our at least our second step if it wasn't the first one already. The first one may very well just be a phone call. Sure. Um, but the second one is probably a Zoom. And then um, if all goes well in that one and we're really sold on you and we're feeling, then we'll have you come out for an in-person visit. Okay. And after okay, the in-person visit, um, and it depends on how far. I mean, if you're coming from far away or if you're local, whatever. Um, and then we try to get you around to a lot of the staff. Mm-hmm. And we get their impressions of you. So always know you're being interviewed, yep, <laughs> where yep. whoever you're talking to. Um, because then we get people back that we purposefully probably set up for you. So either to go have lunch with someone or whatever. And we say, hey, what was your impression? Because not just your skills and your experience, but are you fitting in? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we want you to thrive here and feel good about the place you are and like where you come to work and uh, and the same for the people who we're going to be working with, right? It's part of the culture. So sure. we all get together and just talk about that afterwards. And then we will follow up and we will let you know one way or the other. I know some people, that's another thing people say is, well, no one ever got back to me. Hmm. Um, hopefully not with us. I just hear that a lot. But yes, we would let you know, hey, we've moved in a different direction or thank you for your time. We wouldn't just leave you hanging. But right. that's that's a standard okay. interview process, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of pieces. And I loved your statement there. Know that you're always on, right? You're always mm-hmm. being interviewed. So that's, that's great. That That's great. Now here, here's a question. If I am say starting my last year of school at, at what time, when should I start like sending resumes out to churches? Uh, when should I start trying to connect with them? Uh, is that something I can wait till April to do or March, or should I start in October, November, my last year of school? What, what's the good time frame mm-hmm. to allow this process to work itself out in, yeah. in your, in your, in your mind? I, I would give it at least six months and, um, and maybe more. And especially if you think there's going to be a, a big move, or if you're hoping to have a job, like right after you get out of school, Okay, because it's still, it's the reality of needing someone and whether I'm needing them right now or going to be needing them. And you want to, you know, uh, for us on my side, anyway, I'm thinking budget, right? So um, mm. I really want to make sure I have that spot in my budget. But things have can happen pretty quick. Um, I mean, three months can be a pretty safe. I mean, I was going to say I started talking to this church out here in February and I moved here in June. Okay. So, um, so that roughly five to six months is probably a good time. Things can happen quicker for sure, Mm -hmm. but to get your, make sure you're on their radar and, uh, and your name's in the baskets of where you want them. I would, I would think at least six months out would be really good. Yeah. Yeah. And let's say, I, I suppose April, that if you find a great candidate that, you know, in February, wow, we want to hire this person but they don't graduate till late April, early May. And it's say February or are are you willing to wait if it's the right person? I am. Yep. It is so hard to find the right person. Sure. That if we found somebody we felt like would be just stellar for us and on our team, we would wait for them. No problem. Yep. Yep. So I, I, what's interesting there is I think what I'm hearing is for students, even in September, October, November of their last year, they should be, making contacts, sending mm. out resumes. Cause if it's the right fit, my experience says folks like you will wait, even if it's one or two, three months, you'll, you'll wait for that right person. Absolutely. Yeah. You don't have to wait for sure. If, uh, if you get contacts and, and yeah, I agree with you, Ron, there's nothing else I can say there. If they're the right person, we'll wait. So there's, you can't start too soon. Sure. Sure. 
So, so here, here's an interesting question that I think is important for the, the, the day and age in which we live. Uh, if you get a candidate's name that you're interested in, or perhaps get a resume from a candidate, uh, do you check them out on social media? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's just kind of standard now. Um, and we found some things sometimes that alarmed us. Not alarm, maybe that's the st- too strong a word, but cautioned us, I'll put it that way. You know, just when you see uh, argumentative, you know, people being argumentative on social media, like, oh, is that going to be a pattern? Is that going to be something we have to deal with? Mm. Um, it may be uh, very strong political views, whichever way, or uh very harsh statements. Whatever. Yeah, we look at it. And, and of course, we hope we don't see anything inappropriate necessarily, sure. but just know it's out there yep. and it's Instagram, it's Facebook, it's Twitter. Um, we look at all of it and yep. just kind of get an overview of what kind of person it, we see. What we think we're seeing is your personality. So no, if you put it out there, that's what people think about you. So Yep, absolutely. And when I was a senior pastor and did hiring, I, I looked as well. And yeah. um so I, I try to encourage the students I work with, be very mindful and careful of what you put out there because uh, future people that you're wanna, gonna wanna interview with are gonna check and they're gonna look. So yeah, that's, that's, that's true, that's so great. true. That's great. So, hey, any other advice for you know these final year of school folks that are listening? They're hoping to get a foot in the door, to get noticed by church or parachurch ministry. Uh, any other piece of advice that you would give them for this connection stage of making that initial connection? Well, I think I'm going to, I would say the same, uh, start early then. That's right. If you, if you're ready and you know, you're, you're going to graduate and you're looking, start making those connections, reach out to friends, um, and places that, you know, um, and just start, you know, attend it. If you have a chance, I know it's hard as a student, but to attend a conference or something like Aspire, um, Mm. especially if you're staying in the Christian church network, um, those are good places to make connections and just get a face. It's nice to have a face with a name, however you can think of to do that. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Oh, that's great. That's great. Well, April, I really appreciate uh, your time and being with us today and talking about this important stage of, of connection. And I look forward to our next conversation. We talk about the interview process and we'll we'll dive a little bit deeper into that. So I just want to thank you for your time today and I really appreciate you being with us. Yeah. Thanks, Ron. Thanks for having me.